0: Welcome to season three of Arise Esther, a podcast for today's women of faith. I'm your host, Dawn Damon, and I get to speak to some of the most resilient women alive who, like Esther of old, step up with courage to face trials head on and triumph. Now we're here to help you do the same. So turn it up, Esther. This is your moment. Welcome to Arise Esther. I have a question for you. Have you ever experienced a time in your life where God asks you to do something, and you're more than willing, but it seems really odd. Like, Is that really you, God? Well, we're going to talk about that today. My guest today is a wife, a mother, and a grandmother. She's an author and a therapist who, for 25 years, ran a counseling center specializing in trauma, attachment, and human bonding, and psychopathology and her assessments of abused, neglected children and the parents in whose care they were harmed became her specialty. As an expert witness in the courts, she served the state in Virginia, appearing more than 1,000 times defending the defenseless, and I'm so thankful for that. Today, she fully devotes herself to writing and speaking for Christ, her first published novel, The Endling, won the Golden Scroll and the Christian Market Book of the Year Award last year. She and her beloved of 52 years share their lives together with two Yorkies surrounded by wildlife on a small lake in Virginia. Would you please welcome my guest today, Dr. Deborah Maxey. Hi, Deborah. I'm so happy to be here. You are such an accomplished woman, and, you know, I look to you, of all the women that I interview, I mean, you are a true Deborah. You are a spitfire. You are a brave, bold, audacious woman, and that's what I love about you. Oh, thank you. My grandmother would be proud to hear you say that because she
1: was the one that wanted me named after Deborah in the Bible.
0: Well, I'll tell you what, you are just an absolute heroine of faith. And we're going to talk about your story a a little bit today, but I would love for our viewers and our listening audience who may not know you, tell us a little bit about you, your journey. You know, that's an interesting
1: question. Um, I think I have to say, first of all, I'm very grateful now to have been an abused and extremely neglected child, mm-hmm. and I couldn't have said that for many, many years. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now there was a there was a time in my life. Of course, meeting my husband 52 years ago, and the, the beautiful, loving Christian soul that he is, I started to experience real love. He showed me the face of Christ, mm-hmm. and. As a process of being loved one time in a big way, you know, it opened me up to understanding that God had always loved me, always protected me. And things began to turn around big time when I realized every single thing that had happened to me was going to become a huge part of what I could do for someone else. Mm. That there was almost nothing people experienced that I couldn't relate to and having worked through them, help somebody else work through. So seeing that was a huge part of my journey. And of course, then working, going to school, I love school, I'm a school freak, being able to go to school, and then being able to help people get through some of the things that I've gotten through has been such a blessing. Mm. But it's all love. And you know, I'm grateful now that very early on spending one summer with, I mean, I spent summers with different grandparents, but the summer I was six, I was saved at a revival and I got the concept of a heavenly father. I needed that. So always with me, I carried that in my spirit that I had a heavenly father and he loved me. And I saw miracles everywhere. I always have. And so he was always planning visual And 3D real things that happened in my life that made me know for sure the Bible was not fiction. It was real, that God was real and that he was in my life and I was in him and that there was a plan for me and purpose for me. Mm
0: What a revelation for a young girl to get. And isn't that what the Bible talks about the faith of a child? Jesus said, unless you have the faith of a child. And so there's an ability in in the innocence for us to see the father God for who he is and to accept that love. And I'm so thankful, you know, um, Deborah, I don't know the entirety of your story, but when you say abuse and neglect, I almost wonder which is more painful I feel like neglect is so deep, abandonment, nobody being attuned to you, feeling alone in this big world. How did you learn to understand that the father had allowed that so you could help someone else? I think having the great
1: legacy of a a spiritual Christian grandmother helped so much. Mm -hmm. And um, she, she let me know, you know, that God was always there. I just had to look around, and I would see things that would, would tell me that God was there. Some, I, I have to say that the neglect really was very harsh, and it was something that took me a long time to figure out that I was worth more than that. Abuse, you get over a little faster, I do believe, or at least I did. And unfortunately, I was never sexually abused, but... I was emotionally and physically abused by a stepmother. But when, now when we get back to that thing about my grandmother, uh, when she taught me that God was everywhere and that I just had to look for the people that would give me the love or the care, ask questions or whatever, there was one particular instance where I had to have emergency surgery and I was dropped off at a hospital. I was 12 years old. Nobody stayed with me. And the surgeon didn't want to take me into the operating room because I didn't have a parent there, even though they'd signed. And I heard them talking about me out in another room. I heard them talking about me. I did not even know I was neglected until I heard that. And I thought, but they don't don't understand. I need to tell them. But I've got a heavenly father that's with me. So I'm gonna be okay. And see, that just gives me chills to tell you that because I'm so grateful to God that even as a small child, I got it. And had the had the neglect not been there, I don't know that I ever would have gotten it to that degree. Mm. I might have been like every other kid and interested in, you know, all kinds of other worldly things. But man, I was just so grateful that I saw God everywhere the kindness of a nurse or a doctor, or them were, they were caring about me more than my own parent cared about me at the time.
0: Wow, well, it's a beautiful, uh, beautiful story. And it also heartbreaking, you know, but I know, thanks be to God, like, here we are today, I have a background of abuse as well. And, and it, it does shape us, it makes us and if we'll yield to the grace of God in that pain, we'll, uh, we'll emerge from the ashes, just strong beautiful whole women able to reach back and help others so you started to do that very thing you formed a counseling center how old were you when you did that you did that for 25 years i was i was blessed to be a
1: stay-at-home mom with our son and that's what we wanted we want and the older he got the more my husband would say i think he needs you more now than he did when he was little and so it, we may not have had a lot, but he'd say, I'll make the living. You make the living worthwhile. You oh, take nice. care of, of him. And, you know, and it it worked beautifully. But the day he went off to college, I went off to college. Oh. And I'm not good with numbers, so I can't even tell you how old I was. But at any rate, that was what And actually I just have to tell you when when I was talking to him about what he might want to do in college. And it was like when he was a junior in high school. I said, I think you would make a great counselor. I said, like Bob Newhart. That was one of my favorite (laughs) TV shows. And he said, Mom, that's you. You need to go to school. And that got the wheels rolling. And I thought, oh, I would love to go to school. You know, growing up the way I did, I didn't think that was ever a possibility. But it was like, now, once I got in there, I was rolling. So I don't remember how old I was because, like I said, I, I have a, a math disability. I have something called dyscalculia, So I don't remember numbers well.
0: But once I got going, I was going. Well, and I got to imagine if you had your son in your early 20s, maybe. Yes. Or, yes. And then he had to have been about 18 or 19. Yes. So you had to be in your 40s. And I just yes. the reason why I want to press that point is because I love the fact that you are ALB, always be a learner, yes. I think at learning, always learning, and you have a passion for learning. And and and, hey, women listening who might be forty and older, you're not done. God's not done oh, with gosh, you. Oh gosh, no. You're you're just learning what God's plan is yes. in, in every season of life. He says your leaf will not wither, and so for twenty five years, so you went to school, you got your doctorate. Hello, mm-hmm. and then you were helping abused children.
1: I just kept going. And the reason I got the doctorate, I didn't make any more money or anything like that with a PhD. But when, when I first became an expert witness, what, what I found out was, and I got all the training and trauma I could possibly get, I wanted every tool I could get in my toolbox. Mm-hmm. And all the training and attachment. spent months in Minnesota, learning about attachment theory. But when I found out that the whole point of, of me being on the stand was to have me discredited by the attorneys, not, not to find the story, not to get the truth out, not to talk about the assessments or the damage to the child. There was usually one attorney on my side and four or five on the other side that wanted to discredit me. Wow. And so the more degrees you have, the more certifications you have, the less they can fight with you. So I thought, okay, God, sign me up. Just, okay, I'll do it. I'll do it. Because there there were children that were just horribly, horribly physically abused, Mm -hmm. sexually abused. Oh, my goodness. I could tell stories forever about how horrible all those stories were. And God put a fire in me, not an angry fire. Mm -hmm. It was a deep fire that said, not on my watch, you know, let me get to the bottom of this, and let me speak for the people that can't cause children don't go to court to testify yeah. uh, most of them don't it, when they have forensic interviews, and that was me, so that was that was the reasoning for it to keep going to school, but it, I'm still doing it. I'm still taking
0: classes. I love learning. I'm worth you. I love learning too, and I don't wanna. I feel like when we stop learning, you know, what's left, but decline. So what you just said, not on my watch, you know, as long as God gives me health and breath in my lungs, I'm going to keep learning too. But I love that tenacity. See, that's the fire we're talking about. You had a fire within, that's your calling and your purpose. And you identified that. It's not an angry thing, but it's like, I will move forward in this and continue to be equipped because these little children need me to be a voice for them. And, and like we read in the beginning, a defender of the defenseless. And Thank it's you. been interesting to me, you know, the, the whole premise of
1: when, when the Lord spoke to me and said, it's time for you to step back. I want you to write. Cause I'd always love to write. I always saw myself as a writer and a painter. Those were the things that just occupied me. And at first I thought, huh? Really? After all this education and I'm at the top of my field in Virginia, I knew that. And there was. But here's the thing I couldn't find. I could not get someone to let me tutor them, mentor them, teach them what I knew to do what I've been doing. That was the thing that that just kept me in balls. If I could have found one or two people and goodness knows I tried, I thought I need somebody to come along behind me and get this model that's so successful and i'll mentor them and teach them and we can continue to do this work it wasn't happening and then i have to say uh and i've had permission from her to tell this story when i knew that call was real that god had really told me to do this because it felt like um, taking a long vacation or something i couldn't imagine i've worked so hard for so many weekends memorizing court stuff and all that but I went to um, an also advanced writers and speakers conference Mm -hmm. and I noticed a lady at a breakfast the first morning looking at me pretty intently but I couldn't get to where I was kind of sandwiched in the corner and I went up to her afterwards and I said I just want you to know if I could have gotten out of my chair I would have come over here and invited you but there was nowhere to put you she said it's okay She said, I have a word from you from God. Are are you open to hearing that? And I said, oh, my gosh, yes. So I sat down beside her. And what she told me was that the Lord spoke to her and said, this thing that I'm preparing to do, that I need to do. And it will go so smoothly. It will be unbelievable how smoothly it will go. Mm-hmm. And she said, do you know what I'm talking about? And I just wanted to cry. I said, yeah. Uh, he's asked me to let go of my counseling practice and devote myself to a different form of ministry. I was too embarrassed to even say, right. It's like, huh? How can I say that? At any rate, um, it's, it just seems so self-serving. God put a spokesperson in my life. Her, her name is Liddell Dudley. She's a beautiful human being. And he put that spokesperson in my life to give a a human voice to something I felt in my spirit. And it was such an anointing and uh, such an affirmation of what I kept praying about. Mm -hmm. So I couldn't wait to come home and tell my husband, guess what? Guess what? I'm really (laughs) going to do this. And so I didn't know where it would lead. I didn't know if writing would be a successful thing or not. But that was not the whole thing that drove me. It was saying yes, oh, I'm so big on obedience because every time I ever say yes, there's something in it for me, even if it's just closer. Now, I shouldn't say it like that. It's always a close walk, but it's more like a scavenger hunt sometimes, you know? It's like, go here, and I do. And then it's like, God said, okay, I got you here, but now I need you there. And so I don't know exactly what the end product will be, but I love, I love saying yes, And boy, does my spirit have trouble with saying, I don't think so. Or please, God, don't ask me. I'm just, it's like when you lose something. When I lose something, I'm crazy until I find it.
0: Yes.
1: (laughs) Not obeying. It's just not something I feel like I can do. I'm a basket case. I just have to say yes to God because I know there's so much in it for me. Just him being close. Just feeling that closeness. I feel it even sitting here talking to you. Who yeah, I listen. can
0: sense it too. Yeah. Okay. God's God's just flowing. And I think that's important that the listeners right now, I believe even as we're speaking that someone just needs to take that leap of faith. Yes. They're just, they're, they're stuck and they're going to use, they're going to hear this. God's going to use this to encourage someone. Like you said, that spokesperson. Yes. Because as we said in the top of the hour here, God sometimes asks us to do things that seem odd to us, but they're exactly his purpose for our life. Was this one of those odd things that you said, God, I'm at the top of my career and you want me just to walk away from it now and be a writer? Totally, totally blew
1: me away. And part of that was, you know, like, okay, I mean, I I thought that you had prepared me to do this job. And so there's nobody to do this job when I leave this job. That seemed so odd to me. But now I totally get it. Uh, it, I think it was probably the biggest surprise I've had from God in a very long time. Can I switch tracks to tell you another one? Do. Yes. Okay. Last April, May. I was in probably the worst health of uh, for years and years and years. And my, my character in this book is on a deep, intense spiritual journey. So as I was researching, I, I thought, well, okay, you could do a spiritual journey, you know, anywhere. So I was researching didn't different mountain ranges and whatever, but I came across a, uh, something called the El Camino in Spain. Have you ever heard of it? Don? I have heard of it. Yes. And so I started researching the El Camino. I wanted to know why the way of St. James was such a compelling draw for people that for thousands of years, they would walk across all these uh, miles to get to Compostela. And as I was researching it, God called me to do it. And I thought, huh? I have vertigo so bad I can barely turn my head. I have two SI, uh, two uh, sacrum joints that don't work and an SI joint that's really out of place. I'm a mess. Plus, I don't even want to go into the feet issues. It would take too long. But I heard clearly in my spirit that I should do it. Now, I'm one of these people that uh, it's sort of an old fashioned maybe, but for me, it's biblical. i I like my husband to still be the person who directs things in our lives that he's really in charge of the direction. So I started telling him about the way. And he said, you know, you're going to do that. Right. And I said, you think he said, yeah, I know. So he heard the call too. Yes. That day. I made the commitment to do it. And the Lord told me to get the plane tickets to commit to it. And I thought in physical shape that I'm in, I've had a rapid weight gain from a medication, just, some, I was a mess. I can't do it. At any rate, I made the commitment. The next day, because we, we hike almost every day when the weather is right. Uh, we were in the middle of central Virginia in the woods. And my husband said, I think God has something for you. And when he said that, he had found, and I hope he can see those. See the little shell? Oh, yeah, it's beautiful. That is the symbol of the Camino, the scallop shell. Oh. And in the middle of nowhere, in the dirt, in Bedford County, Virginia, yet 400 and some miles from an ocean. That to me, see, those are the kind of miracles that have just been throughout my life. So hubby glued it to a uh, cross for me so that because I wear it all the time, it was such an affirmation that he called me to do this and I heard the call and I'd said yes, even though it was baffling. And ever since then, one thing right after the other has fallen into place physically, that things are starting to turn around. Mm -hmm. And have I got time to tell one more little story about it? Yes. Okay. Um, At right after a conference in Lexington, Kentucky, I signed up to do a five-day silent retreat at a Trappist monastery, the Abbey of Gethsemane. Just the quiet and the prayer, the contemplative prayer. I just wanted to be in that after all the talk with my also sisters. So I signed up, and when I checked into the Abbey, there's no talking, of course. I mean, it's really a silent retreat. Nobody says anything. Other than your name. What is your name? Mm. At any rate, that first night I was just so grateful because I know that God inhabits praise. He was in that spot with me and I was praising him, how beautiful it all was. And I was tidying up my room that first night. And as I did that, I pushed the chair from the at the desk towards the desk. I did not realize it would slide so easily. So it banged the desk. And of course, in a silent place, you don't want to do that, right? But when it did, a drawer opened. And this was the first night. When I looked in the drawer, this is what I found. Wow. Yes, another Camino shell. Oh. And so I thought, I've got to break the rules. I've got to ask somebody. So the next day, I went down and asked the uh, monk. That was in charge of the housing for the, for the guest. And I said, I I have to ask the question. He said, okay. I said, is this standard equipment in every room? He said, I've never seen anything like that here. Oh my goodness. What is that? I said, it's a scallop shell and there's not one in every drawer in every room. He said, no. And I'm in charge of all that. No. I said, can I keep it? (laughs) And he said, Why? And I, and then I told him the story of the Camino and that God kept putting affirmations in my life. This, this is just a representative of what my life has been like, Don. Mm-hmm. that's has spoken crazy. to me in so many ways. And so it, I think what a gift that is that he was saying, you are in the worst shape, but I want to redeem you and bring you to a higher level mm-hmm. and by committing and and honoring what he was asking me to do, I see all that happening. You know, I'm, I'm going to be better off with new orthotics that lifts in my shoes and all of these things than I've been in years. So I'm excited and eager, but boy, did it turn me upside down to say yes to that. That didn't even make
0: sense to me. Well, there's another odd thing that God has asked you to do. And not yes. just did you get this sense that he was asking you, but then God confirmed it. He confirmed it through your husband. He confirmed it through signs and wonders. and I think that's a really critical part too. When you're led by the spirit of God and you say, yes, he starts showing you all the ways that he's affirming to you. You have heard me. And this is the direction that we're going. And And there's nowhere I can go that he doesn't reach out and talk to
1: me. Hmm. And And in so many languages, the language of seashells now. Right, I mean, how cool is that, right? So, I mean, I, th- I think once we look for that, and that, thats what the endling. That was what I wanted to get across in the endling, and in the work that I'm doing, the and the book that I'm writing now is that he speaks so many languages. He speaks seashell. I never expected him to speak seashell, you know. Right. But it, it. No matter what we do, where we turn, or where we look, or who we encounter we are in God. It's not God in us necessarily as much to me as we are in God, but everything's God and he's going to, he's going to speak to us through
0: anything and everything. Absolutely. He definitely will. This has been so um, encouraging for faith and uplifting. It makes us want to just be on that adventure with God that you're on and congratulations last year to your first novel wins the endling and that's um about the mountains of Virginia and some great things what's the book you're working on now uh well the the working title is searching for
1: sanctum Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: sanctum of course is a sacred place Yes, but it, it's about a sacred journey, and it's in the mountains again because I'm a mountain. I'm an Appalachian girl. Yes, but um, I, I hope that God. I believe that God is asking me to write the story of sacred journey, uh, despite the fears and the worries. That He speaks
0: through everything. I know that He does. <laughs> he even speaks seashell. Yes, he does. Now, will this be a, a nonfiction or? or, or will oh, it's it be a fiction. Another novel. Great. Another novel. And because I think
1: as being from being a therapist for so long, story is such a healer. And most of the time, the stories that we're healing were true stories for people in therapy. But um, we, you know, Jesus taught through parables. Yeah. And I think he set a great precedent for us to reach out and story. And that's certainly what he's, I hope it's not too flashy to say, gifted me to do, is to speak stories. I love talking truth like this. Mm -hmm. You know, I I love that too. But I think that with fiction, you can create situations that a lot of different people can relate to.
0: Beautiful. Deborah Maxey, Dr. Deborah Maxey, thank you so much for being on Rise Esther, today. What would you give a final word of encouragement to someone who's listening that they are on that precipice and they need to take a leap of faith?
1: I would say don't worry about taking a leap of faith. You know, it uh, do it afraid if you have to. But when you do it, know that those huge hands of his are so much bigger than we can imagine. And that be open to everything speaking to you, everything, the eyes of a nurse when you're 12 years old or a seashell in the middle of the woods, everything. He is loving you more than you can possibly imagine because we can't love the way he loves. Mm -hmm. So be open to it. You don't have to worry when you've got that much love backing you up.
0: Amen. The first novel is called The Endling, and that's available to you. Where can they reach you, Deborah? Debra?
1: DeborahMaxie.com is my website, and the book's available on Amazon or Barnes & Noble. com is the easiest way to reach me.
0: Thank you once again for being on, and all of you who are listening today, is God asking you to do something odd? Modern Day Esther, is this your moment to arise? I hope you've enjoyed the podcast today. And hey, if you've not done so yet, why don't you subscribe on Apple Podcasts so you never miss another episode? Or you can visit us at AriseEster.com. And while you're there, make sure you join the movement. Visit us today to get connected. For more information about me, Dawn Damon, visit DawnDamon.com. And while you're there, you can sign up for a free breakthrough strategy session. Until we meet again, keep rising, this is your moment.